0: podcast this is Franz Bowen
1: this is Trav Weeks
0: sir and with another installation of the Driven Society podcast and we're joined by a very dynamic and wonderful guest uh she is a multimedia journalist um, content creator speaker and award-winning writer uh more professional title would be the digital editor of Black Enterprise Miss Selena Hill hey, hey guys hi
2: what's for up, what's, what's up? <laughs> I'm so happy. To Absolutely. be here. We're all living in quarantine, but it's connections like this that keep us stimulated and alive and Absolutely. you know motivated. So I'm super happy to be here with you guys.
1: Absolutely. I've known Selena for quite for I think a little yes. while now. Like I don't even remember the first time we even met, to be honest.
2: Trav, I was literally trying to figure out how we first met. Yeah. Literally. Like was it, today.
1: Was it, was it through <laughs> Instagram? I don't even
2: was it did somebody did um what's my homework? what did dev connect connect us he used to write for black enterprise worked, yeah, it might have dev been have Dev while that, he was that, writing that for sense. black enterprise right. i think that's right and he put you on my radar oh, and okay. right and like i think and i think you invited me to some of the events for some reason i couldn't make it out
3: it's and then I,
2: but we still met at other events coincidentally yeah. So it was was definitely a lot of
1: synergy there. Absolutely. We definitely clicked up. And I got to just see, like, you know, um, I think when we started following each other, I got to see you um, just do different features. I'm like, wow, she's dope. And I got to see you evolve and grow in the game and actually be around, like, cultural um shifts that were happening in cultural moments and got to like see you document it and see how how people like you know this my son and all these different people engage with you and 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 um just got to see you evolve in this space and I love it cuz you're somebody who is like truly authentic and you're really about this space it's really about the people the community the culture and you're documenting it so um we appreciate you for that number one um but, um, but yeah I'd like to if you could give uh, my audience just you know um your uh your your definition of what you do and, and um, exactly where did it start when you know you wanted to be documenting um, culture, news, uh, just the whole space?
2: Absolutely. So, I mean, you guys pretty much, you know, gave a great introduction. I'm a multimedia journalist. Um, as of now, I write for uh, Black Enterprise, so I write stories, also do a lot of the on-camera interviews Uh, involved in a lot of the creative projects and putting events together and booking like dope celebrities and talent and millennials and like influencers. So that's been like, you know, some of the highlights of, you know, my, my career with black enterprise. Outside of that, I have a podcast as well. It's called be Heard talk literally just rebranded and changed the name because we've been doing this since I was in college, took a little break and now we do it professionally and the show focuses on race, politics, and culture from a very Mm. unfiltered, unapologetic perspective. And if you guys ever check it out, so my co-hosts are like organizers, um, our correspondents are civil attorneys, and it's it's heavy, but the way, so we unpack like really heavy issues, systemic issues, but we do that in a very flavorful way, in a very relatable way. So I've Mm. been doing that um, professionally since 2012, Wow. And now we do it, you know, in quarantine. So it's, it's super dope. I'm happy to do that. Um, I actually used to host a local show called What's Eating Harlem. I did that mm. too for a few years of my career. Again, another really dope experience. And it's so funny because when I first knew I wanted to work in media, I just wanted to be a writer. I did mm. not pursue working on camera. I never wanted to be an on-camera talent. Like, I kind of even sometimes shy away from that. Um, Mm. because I wanted to literally tell stories and be a voice for the voiceless. And I first came to this realization when I was a teenager Mm. and I was just, I did not understand like the complexities of, of poverty and generational Mm. poverty. And I just was like, I had to pray. And I was like, God, (laughs) like I need to do something. Like I felt moved, especially when it became, it directly affected me, not me personally, but people in my family were you know lost their job going became homeless and living in a homeless shelter and i'm just like well you know let's take a deeper dive like why is it that your your mother and your grandmother and like all of these people um you know were in this predicament and i was like well you know outside of my family it's a community and so i was like i wanted mm. to use my voice to talk about and amplify those issues and then that was further solidified in college. I went to SUNY O. Westbury. Shout out to O. Westbury. <laughs> and um, so um, after the Hurricane Katrina um, wiped out New Orleans, um, my peers and I, we went down there in 2006 and 2007. We slept in an abandoned school. We gutted houses. And wow. we stayed in the Lower Ninth Ward, which is a predominantly black commun- low black, excuse me, low low-income black community that was completely forgotten about. After wow. Hurricane Katrina hit, so when we were there, we were speaking to locals in the community. How and hearing how the government was rebuilding, uh, rebuilding the French quarters and the other places where the tourists stayed, mm-hmm. but not really paying attention to our communities. And the, after that moment, like you know, that that was a life changing experience. I yep. was like. This reaffirms that I have to use my God-given gifts and talents mm-hmm. to tell their stories, to be that voice, and to amplify these issues so that we can make change.
1: That's that's so amazing. I mean, that's so amazing. And I remember hearing about amazing. that, too. Like, after um, um after the hurricane, how people were buying up all the land and how people were, like, you know, making investments and, like, the just that communities and those, those pockets of, of black families that were completely, completely wiped out and, and not even taken care of. It was like, who is the voice for those people? You know what I'm saying? Like who represents those people? Like even what, like what Diddy is doing right now with revolt, with mm-hmm. black, black news. And I think at any other time, and, and, I, and I, and I'm, and I feel bad for even like, I feel like I'm late to this type of thinking. Like, but any other time I'd have been like, yo, what's, what's Diddy's doing right now? Like, you know, it's, um, does this make sense right now for the culture and the space? And it would it would have made sense pre COVID, but now it makes so much more sense. You know what I'm saying? Like now it's like having that um, portal for Black news and Black issues is is so paramount for the type of um, issues we're going through. And um, it's it's like to me, it, it makes so much sense why why it's needed, why we need to have voices that talk about the issues we're going through and through our perspective because they're not talking about us for the most part when they talk mm. about news when they talk about stuff they're not really talking about us they mention us we're part of it a little bit but we need that representation to really find out what's really going on in our communities and i appreciate you even having that vision back then that you realize it did you realize that there was a difference and how you know um Um, CNN or Fox or how they distribute their news when it comes to their communities. Like, Did that really hit when you went to um, New Orleans?
2: Not when I went to New Orleans, but after I graduated college. Mm. Half the reason why we relaunched Be Heard, at the time it was called Let Your Voice Be Heard, was because we would watch mainstream media, CNN, MSNBC, and they were not telling our stories, like you said, Mm -hmm. Trev. Maybe we'll get a mention here and there, but we did not see a deep dive. We right. definitely didn't see representation. We didn't mm-hmm. see millennials of color, you know, on their panels. And we were like, hold on, there's a void. The new, like, new sources should not just be one way. Like, right. we need to take control of that narrative. Why don't we like literally be that voice? Yeah. So my co-host and I, Stanley Fritz. Who works again, the professional activists, and as of now, as of today, you know, back then we were both like fresh out of college, still struggling in our careers and industries. And basically we had the time and we had platform and we were like, look, there's there's a void here. Like we also mm-hmm. had a purpose mm-hmm. and we wanted to fill that void and be those voices.
1: Amazing. For that sure. actually goes back to like black enterprise man, and um. um me and Franz, I think we actually met the, um, um, if it wasn't Derek Dingle or somebody, I think yes. we met somebody not too long ago at, at um at an event, but like, um, man, um, rest in peace, uh, yes. um, Sir Earl Graves Sr. And I'm thinking like, because the first issue date was 1970. And this is another thing that's like really deeply resonating. And I'm like, wow, here's this man who realized that they need to be a voice for the black professional, the black entrepreneur, the people who are starting black businesses. And we need to tell our stories of this community of just go-getters. And like, other than that, you would I remember back in high school, there was this girl I was dating. And I remember like, um she the one who put me on black enterprise. And she was just like, I think I said something stupid, like, Oh, you know black men and black people are not really like or um we don't have that many opportunities and we're not getting it like we 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 could and and she was like yo have you ever opened a black enterprise and see all these people that you've never seen in a and and as part of like you know culture back then or part of like you know the stuff that they try to make us watch but these 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 professionals and bank and real estate and tech and you get to see people that look just like you and for him to have that vision back in the 1960s you know to launch this in 1970 into what it is now man it's so important that we have these outlets you know what for i'm sure. saying
0: question for you um do you consider what you do um how, how much of it is journalism and how much of it is activism right and 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 you know Behind that question, I want to know, how do you um, tailor your stories so they still have a appealing ring to them? Because, you know, usually once we start talking about um, our community issues and our our pains and struggles or whatever, it kind of like, I mean, we get it, but, you know, to the larger society, like, it it kind of falls on deaf ears. So um, the first question is, do you consider what? How much of what you do is journalism? How much of what you do is activism? Like, if you could break it down a percentage, and um, you know, how do you uh, tailor your your stories or your prose to make sure that it um, you know it, it, it carries across to other audiences
2: as well? That's a great question. That that is really really thoughtful. Um, I'll say that mm-hmm. I use media. As a, a pillar for my activism, right? Um, unfortunately, I can't protest or march in the streets every single day, and I don't get. I'm not prof- like I don't work as a professional in that space. However, we all have a voice, and if you ask me, we all have a responsibility. So I feel that using my voice, my platforms, my pen, my whatever it is to help create change is definitely a form of activism. And it's the least that I can do it's, it's the least like, you know, as you know, the Bible says, you know, to whom much is given much is required. Like that's the word of God. Like I know too much, like I've, you know, and I haven't even seen that much, but it still affects me so deeply that I have to tell those stories. And even with Black Enterprise, like what Trav was saying, that's even a form of activism, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's representation, it's taking, is seeing a whole systemic issue, it's a, seeing a problem and creating that change. And the change mm-hmm. happened to be Black Enterprise, which was a platform that uplifted and amplified Black professionals and Black entrepreneurs, like in itself, that changed so much, right? Because we finally were able to tell our stories and owned the outlet that in which it was being told. So that's mm-hmm. that's you know, that's powerful in itself. Um, I don't to break it down in a percentage, I don't, I think they coincide. You know, like mm. they they definitely coincide. I mean, like some of my biggest inspirations are people like Tamika Mallory, right? Yeah. Carmen she, Perez. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm Like, that's an activist. Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I can't even when you see her and how she's yeah. dedicated her life to that. I'm like they put their
1: life on the line for this. Yeah,
2: fight. they put their life, they put their bodies on the line. That's them 24-7. Yep. And I support my sis as much as possible, right? So to me, if I can even, you know, do whatever I can with her or other people in that space, then you know, I, I just I'm playing my role. Yeah. Um and for the second question. Remind me, what
3: was it again?
0: Uh, How do you tell your stories to, um, I guess, have that broader appeal? Because we understand it. And, you know, I want to tack another um, level onto that. In terms of objectivity, like as a journalist, you have a responsibility to give, uh, to just give facts, right? But you're a person of color as well. Like, what's that that gel like? Or your... Mm. Yeah.
2: I don't try to tell stories that's going to appease to mass media. For Mm -hmm. the majority of my career, I've worked for minority owned publications from the Amsterdam News to Global Prime when it was owned by Russell Simmons to Mm -hmm. now Black Enterprise to another uh, magazine that was called Envy Magazine back in the day. So I've never even had to try Like, that wasn't our audience. That's Mm -hmm. not our goal, right? We want to speak to our people and empower and uplift them. Um, And I do feel like journalism as an industry is changing, right? When I went to school, broadcast journalism, obviously, like I was taught reporting how to be objective, how to be fair. But I think that we've gotten to a place in journalism that to try to act like publications don't have a slant and don't have a voice Mm. is, 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 is fake. Like, we yep. all know with Fox News and CNN and, and MSNBC, who they pander to. Like, yep. it's, it's obvious, right? So, yeah. I got to the place where I'm comfortable in my voice. And, mm-hmm. yes, journalism has really evolved. Do I still and have I written just, like, hard-hitting fact, factual stories without a voice? Absolutely. But do I think that me inputting my voice in my stories and in my work is probably more important? Yes. Because we need to see more millennial Black women speaking up and talking about what's going on in society.
0: Oh man, that's another level of the game. Absolutely,
1: right there, you know? indeed. Yeah, there was a moment I wanted to talk to you about too, and um, Franz, I don't even know you noticed, know but um, I remember when Hove uh came out with um the NFL partnership deal. Oh yeah, that. that
0: was that's tremendous.
1: And you remember it was a round table that he had all the media around it around it, and Selena was there yeah um I think it was at the Rock nation offices right
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah <laughs> yeah, and I, and I and um, I think his office was fairly new and whatnot and um um, I'm not gonna say a name, but I know I have a few friends over there so um i would I would love to hear you describe what that experience was like, and did you even know what was happening, or like you know what I'm
2: saying, nah. Wow. We so who gave you gave
1: you the call? Was it like the PR over there? or Dana. Okay.
2: You, what's her last? I'm so sorry. I, I'm I forget. I forgot. I'm forgetting her last name in the moment. But okay. she works very heavily, very closely with Jay. helped organize the whole event and has like right, a, right. a very a high level position at Rock Nation.
1: Got, was it um, da- or Dana or Jenna? A Dana. Jenna.
2: Jenna. Oh, yes, Jana. Jenna. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, Jenna. That's Thank my people. Yep. Yep. Yes. So, yeah, no, so you know her. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, got the invitation, hit my inbox. I was like, wow. first of all, it was so vague. I was just like, what? What is? I said, okay, Rock Nation. It was just like Rock Nation. It sounded
0: like an er- a Rock event. Nation invite. Very vague. Like this. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Holds
2: so, cordially
0: invites you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it didn't say anything about Jay, it wow. didn't say. So I had to actually get permission from my managing editor at the time to even go. I'm just like, I think this is going to be big. I don't know what it's about, but we should go. We should cover it. And she was like, okay, cool. So I remember walking there, and I saw so, like, the police presence was heavy. And I was like, hold on. So is Jay-Z actually here? And I'm like, he's either that or Obama, because it was like barricades, (laughs) like blocks. Blocks long. And I'm Blocks. Wow. Yes, like it was everything was blocked off. So I'm it's like, crazy. Okay, I don't know what's going on. But this is crazy. So they yeah. take us into this, like, the like a, a, a luncheon area. And I'm I was one of the first people there. So I saw um, Danielle, who's the editor in chief at the root, you know, I said mm. hi to her. I saw I, I know Angie Martinez walked in um, very soon afterward. Craig Melvin from MSNBC was there. Like Charlemagne walked in. And I'm just like, hold on. There's a lot of heavy people in right, this little right. area. So, yeah. and I was just, you know, talking and they served us breakfast. Mm. Nonetheless. So I was just okay. So all of a sudden, like maybe in 30 minutes, 40 minutes later, they're like, um, we're gonna start gathering you guys and taking you upstairs. And I'm like, what? So I'm talking to people, I'm like, Yo, what is going like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. Like I thought it was a press conference. So you guys mm-hmm. see the press conferences at like after NBA games and stuff, yeah. where you have a person on a podium. You yep. sit in the audience. You raise your hand. You ask one question. You sit back down. Those are the press going. conferences I'm used to. So right. I'm thinking it's that. So I'm like, okay, I guess they're taking us to the press conference. We go upstairs. We're standing in the lobby. They open up the door. To Jay Z's boardroom and was like, "Um, welcome in." So I'm like, "What?" Jay Z is literally <laughs> sitting there, like, "Everyone, come take a seat." Roger Goodell is like, "Yeah, y'all come, come in, come take a seat." And I'm just like, hey, <laughs> oh, I don't know shit. "What?" <laughs> like we're just sitting at the table, and I'm like, Oof. "Yo, they could have prepared me for this."
3: Right? <laughs> They're
2: like, "Everyone, turn off your phones." Wow. Turn oh, off man. every. They were like, "Turn your phone off." I was wow. like, okay, I put my drink down. I was just like,
3: okay, I'm going to leave
2: this. <laughs> so, and I, like I, tried, I was trying to, you know, I said really close. I tried to get as close as possible to home, too. I am like, oh, this Smart. Is yep. So then all of a sudden, they put a presentation on that lasted maybe about 20 minutes. And then Jay's like, any questions? Mm. From the first second, Charlamagne was like, what's up with Colin Kaepernick? He was right. like, Roger Goods out. First question, why can't he get a job? Pressed him on the issue, right? hmm Even did, I think, a follow-up. They had a back yeah, and forth. That's an
0: icebreaker right
2: there. Oh, but but <laughs> if you see how Charlemagne does his interviews on The oh, Breakfast yeah, yeah, Club, yeah. he starts with the heavy hitter question. Yeah, sure. Like, he was, like, a full character. He, yes, he always goes straight for the juggler. So I'm like, yeah. oh, so they look... That's, and he sat right there. It was like, Jay, you no, Roger Goodell... Jay Z, Angie Martinez, Charlemagne, and he was just like, "Bro, what's up?" Yeah. So you know they, you know they talked it you over, know, whatever. We kind of moved away from the issue, and then it was a reporter from CNN that asked the question: If you were on the the field today, Jay Z, would you take a um? Would you take mm. a knee? And remember, his uh. response was, "We're past taking a knee." But to mm. put things in context, because that's what the press took and ran with, and people yep. were like, "Oh, that's controversial." No, but in full context what he was saying is that I respect Colin Kaepernick for the movement he started and created and now I feel like it's my duty to pick up that mantle and take it to the next level and the only way so there's two ways to make changes, right? From the outside and the inside so Jay-Z's position was I know these people they're my friends, you know, colleagues we do business together if I can get a position of power, I'm gonna use that to become a platform for change within the actual organization. Right. So, I, you know, again, but just that one statement where past taking a knee went viral. Um, yeah, I know. And, you know, which people, I had no problem
1: with too, but I know people, yeah, I ain't have a problem Did you have a problem was, with was... Nah,
0: you, you know how I feel about Colin. I, man, I never stop watching football. Don't hit me though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's Rhonda's opinion. <laughs> Go ahead, speaking.
2: But, so, okay, so I was about to say something. But anyway, so I remember during the conversation, at one time, um, the moderator was, like, every, like, one question and, like, trying to move things along. And I remember mm. I was on, like, question three. And right. she was just, like, skipping around. and And I remember Hope said, please take a seat and let them talk. What's your... Wow. Go ahead. I-, I was just, like, I was so blown wow. away because I was, like... You know, because I, I know how moderators are. They, they have to keep it in perspective. Yeah, they got to keep real, on time. Yeah. she was like, "Nah, let them talk. What's your question?" And I remember wow. my question was, "I was like, Jay Z, you've created such a strong legacy that has changed society. Why do you think partnering with the NFL, which is extremely controversial at this time, mm-hmm.
3: is actually
2: going to change? Like, how right. are you going to, you know, you create this legacy? Why is it? Why is this the direction you're taking it in?" And he gave a great answer. <laughs> he gave a great answer. Really? I what he say? I, I think I blanked out. Like, it was <laughs> it was so intense. We were right. sitting so close. It was such a yeah. moment. I, look at footage of it. <laughs> were,
0: I was right. showing y'all the footage. It, yeah. our, our it, was, boy, it
2: um, was
3: overwhelming. I
0: yeah, can our imagine. boy Eric actually actually shot that. He was one of the photographers. Of the oh, what? Eric, yeah, yeah, Eric, Eric shot because you know he he works for
1: the NFL. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's crazy. Because I remember that you know it's crazy. It's so stuff that be going viral for controversy, I'd be like, really? That's controversial. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I understood exactly what Hove is talking about, and they all met both Colin and Hove. They all both had their fight. I mean, people ended up watching football anyway, which was eventually going to happen. But it's almost like. You know, like Hove had to pull that card out. Like, what have you done? You know what I mean? If you're gonna judge oh, me, yes. what have yep. he really? played? Hove really plays that that card because he's like he believes his, his 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 for what I've read his philosophy of like um, of charity or of anything is oh, anonymous, anonymous to charity. anonymous. Yeah. yeah, anonymous to anonymous. But you never really know the work he's doing. Right now, he probably didn't already gave like five million to essential workers. And we don't have no clue. You know what I mean? I'm assuming or I'm guessing, but that's his style. You know what I'm saying? And he had to pull that card out like, yo, what have I done? And if it was a strategic mode for him to be um, in a place of power, to be able to provide opportunities for us in the community. So what? It is what it is. I mean, either that or you watch the NFL run, run Colin Kaepernick out the league with, no type of exchange at all no we got no value or no type of uh um, um um benefit in any space at all like you know like unfortunately these people talk business and who else better than hove to really you know take that mantle you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so
0: i have a i have a question so you 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 touched on it um this briefly when you were talking about uh jay-z's viral moment right my question is what space does context and nuance have in journalism today like it seems like there's no room for it you know but it's very important to be able to you know tell a complete story Where, where where's the where's the line for that these days in your estimation
2: there's there's not enough nuance and that's why when i wrote my story about what happened i told the full story Because people were like, and I even heard people tell me like, oh, y'all journalists been in there, you didn't even press him. And I was like, no, Charlemagne asked that question three times. Mm. The reason the meeting finally ended is because he went back to it and he was just like, look, I'm sorry, what's going on with Colin Kaepernick? And Roger Goodell, after an hour of speaking to us, was like, all right, let's just wrap it up here. Like, we pushed it. Like, we, we talked about the issue. And because we live in a space where everything is about clickbait
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's you know, and the thing is people don't read, they just read the headlines. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember the story that I wrote. I, I specifically said, Charlemagne asked, addressed the elephant in the room immediately. Girl. Jay-Z's answer was this. And like, cause I had recorded everything. I had the audio. Yeah, we, we have to. There's I don't know. I just think that you still got people the audio? just
3: you absolutely. About. I still
2: have the audio. I actually even have the video for it. I've never released it. It was like wow. I didn't. My friend sent this to me. He was like, "Oh, Selena, here's the video," and I was like, "Oh, there is video." Like I'm gonna. I don't know. I need to do something. I don't know. It was just such an intense moment. I was. I don't know. I was just like whatever. But the <laughs> article is out. I just put the article out. But it was it was right. such an overwhelming moment. And like even afterward, like Jay Z shook all of our hands and it was real. And I remember he was just like, "Yo, you're doing a great job." Great wow. work. Like you know what I'm saying? And like I should honestly, that footage actually needs to come out because y'all need to see Jay-Z's response. You mm. really need to see how he handled that question. Mm. Um that's that's the reason why it needs to come out. So yeah, thank you for pushing me on that.
0: Yeah, I have another question. Um in this space right now, like COVID is the number one hot topic. Like you can't, it's it's almost like you'd be tone deaf if you don't bring it up, right? But there's just so much other news happening that's probably just going under the radar um so my question is how do you how do you find a space to be able to tell those other stories you know without like leaning or just becoming part of the of the fray that they're just you know following this um unstoppable
1: story so to speak
2: but you just got to be cognizant of it i think You know, even as a media consumer on the other end, do I only want to read about COVID-19 or do I want to see some of the positive things that are happening? Matter of fact, I actually did an interview with Slim Thug. You guys remember he's, you know, a Houston-based rapper. Yeah. So I spoke to him via Zoom because he contracted COVID-19, but he beat it. So we did our interview and I remember like some of the best feedback I got. Someone was like, thank you for telling this story. About the mm. recovery, instead of just you know, all news is focusing on are the deaths. The
3: deaths yeah. Are Which we talking
2: about how people are recovering?
1: Driving anxiety to a crazy levels, you know what I'm saying? Um, and how do you what do you see the? Because none of us really come out of this un, unhinged um, the same, you know. Um, this has definitely shifted so many industries, especially the content industry. Actually, I think more people are elite You're gonna see more people, more brands, uh, advertisers, um, um, uh, organizations lean towards the content industry and the media industry. How do you see the, the industry shifting um, after COVID-19?
2: Uh, media industry?
1: Yeah, media, or media and content. Industry.
2: Media and content? I yeah. think that, I mean, already it was moving in a direction of digital first mobile first that's even more so even more important because some of the biggest winners in this whole crisis are you know netflix quibi just dropped uh you know instagram's going crazy zoom you know the the founder of zoom is like worth a billion dollars like so we see how important it is how dependent we are on it and how lucrative it is so mm-hmm. it only makes sense for media to continue to shift in that direction. Now our traditional networks and outlets going to do that, like radio mm-hmm. and like TV. I mean they've been so slow, you know, <laughs> <I don't, laughs> they've been so slow on shifting, you know, already some of these networks that I'm not I'm not 100% sure, but I do think that at this point people are going to get left behind.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
2: You know, if you do not shift, if you you do not become mobile first, if you are not putting out content that is authentic, does not have to be perfect, but relatable and speaks to people, Mm then people are not going to check for you. So this is forcing us to do things very differently. Um, You know, and I say that because like Black Enterprise, obviously it's a legacy company. We've been around for 50 years. Yep. That's, you know, that, that's a, that's so that's a lot, especially for a black owned business. Yep, um, yep. So for, even for us getting more into that space, getting yep. more into digital, like so, as soon as it happened, I launched a, a COVID-19 series on our Instagram account. I do um, Instagram live interviews every Monday and Wednesday on black enterprise. Oh, wow. And it, it, I think for like me and for someone like us, like that's second nature, but like yeah. some of the senior management is like, "Yo, that was a great idea. And like, uh, they're like, yo, you just threw yourself in there. And I'm like, yeah, like, are we yeah. like this is what like, we should be doing. This is what yep. we got to do. This is what we got to do. We got to get the message out there. Like, no longer can I spend three hours creating a perfect written piece. I just got to yeah. go on those and days, talk to those, people. Kinda,
1: those days might be over, to be honest. Like, it's almost like you, you got to get to it right now. The way content is going to run right now for mm. the next... And the content creators too. That's another thing too. I think um, now uh, um, content creators um, across the space are going to be um, appreciated a lot more, and um, people who are able to make fast quality content from um, their homes or from you know um, uh, just different uh, areas can are going to be now pushed to the front of the list because. Mm-hmm you know brands are going to have to align to, with content creators uh, organizations going to have to align the whole original like marketing budgets that will go to just activating at events or activating a lot of that That's, that space is pretty much quiet for the next 8 to 8 months to a year um so yeah i mean um you content, content creators like yourself who's the first line who has the news and you know um all the updates for us like i think you guys are definitely going to be appreciated on another level, you know? Um, I'm
2: actually really interested in... Thank you for sharing that. I'm really interested in in both of your perspectives on where you think content is going to go post the pandemic. No, during this pandemic and then post.
0: Man, that's... So I'll answer your question with a little bit of the question I was going to ask you, right? So I think... For sure, uh, virtual is here to stay digital. Well, it's been here, but like, you know, because it's all about um, conditioning. So now we as a society are conditioned to accept mm. our new, you know, because before you you could just be outside. Like, this is the first um, period of time, like as a New Yorker in the world at large, like there's no FOMO. Like you're not missing out on anything. Right, yes. In front of you, right? I do think, though that what is going to have to happen is um, perhaps a uh, a renaissance in quality control. Because to be first is great. But a lot of time when you're the first person over the hill, you're the one that's getting hit with all the arrows. Like, oh, that was erroneous reporting. Mm-hmm. Or your source, you know, you you didn't really have time to like super fact check your source. So we have to have a, a way to... Um, develop quality control on the move. you know what i mean and okay. and i do think this is an opportunity for the media at large to become a little bit more um fallible in the sense that you know they have to be a little bit more flexible in terms of being able to take things back right because we we ask that of each other but it's like the media gets something wrong, and then they kind of take it back. Not really, you know. Um, I I personally think that builds credibility. Mm-hmm. Credibility, you know what I mean? Like if you if you if you say, "Hey, you know, we we fudged on this story. It wasn't this is the actual fact, or what have you." I think as for me as a as a consumer, I'd be like, you know what? That was that was a, a stand up thing. Yeah, but,
3: for um, sure.
0: To, I, I said a lie, is <laughs> but. I think quality control is probably the number one thing that that should be the focus going
3: forward. Mm. Yeah.
1: Um, And yeah, my answer to that, I'm I'm glad you asked that question because I've been giving that a lot of thought. Um, As far as uh, where um, content is gonna go, I think um, two things. Um, The first thing I think, I think there's gonna be a lot of cutbacks on these studios and Mm. um, content companies that realize that full-blown shows or interview series or content pieces can literally happen from the home of the anchors, the interviewers. It can happen from the home. The Breakfast Club is still continuing. Hot 97 is still continuing. Da-da-da. And here yeah, it's a little different. It's not in-house studio, but it's not that that different even a daily show it's still being able you can he can jay leno not jay leno um freaking
2: trevor noah trevor noah like he can still
1: interview pharrell right now and it will still feel the same pharrell can be in his crib in la trevor could be in new york and he could literally have like a room set up with the camera and he can go in and they're going to be some ar technology probably that can probably make the background look a little cleaner look a little better but you'll still get the same type of you know vibe that you'll get the same value and um 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 uh, quality you get from um uh, uh them in the actual studio that's built out for millions and millions of dollars you can you can still get the same appeal the same type of uh, value you get like him doing it from his home and he even maybe even be a little bit more comfortable you know what I'm saying? So you're going to see a lot of cutbacks when these studios realize, like, wow, people actually don't have to come in to work for that regard. And then the second thing I believe is um, the independent content creators are going to be sought after. Um, I think um, people making the short films, people making content, people making um, – um, different digital series that are of quality are really going to be sought after. If you look at Quibi that just launched um, um, having 10 minute clips of just like films and content and it's, they're linking with influencers and telling influencers make their own content. If you look at what Vice has been doing with content, you know what I mean? Vice has been given influencers, the artists, the cameras to go out, look at them. Um, Fuck that's the Salicious by extra branching. Action Bronson, which I love that show. Um, John Henry's show, Hustle. Oh my um, God. He told me he shot that. They shot that with like two cameras. You know what I'm saying? Um, So you're going to see more, I feel, in that space of giving independent creators a lot more content license and them being able to do deals with brands. Even if you look at Hulu, right? Like if you look at Hulu and you go on the Kuzu content series, now you see all the brands that are involved. Like I was watching this show and it says presented by Hershey's watching another show that was saying presented by We Transfer. So all that money that's been allocated for like big live experiential platforms and events and whatnot, live event experiences, I think you're going to see them now allocate that money towards content, independent creative content, in, independently created content. So all the, you know, the short films and people writing scripts and all the creators and the creators right now that are writing, Right now is the time. All the digital series, if it's a creative idea, and if you can put it up on your own channel, and if you have influence on your own channel, if you have a big following, you can potentially get a brand check to power that whole series. You can get a brand to hop on that. All you got to do is shoot the pilot yourself, have the camera work to shoot yourself. I think actually, like if I'm not mistaken, there was a first show that just got announced that was shot entirely on an iPhone. You're about to really see the power of independent creators and, and um people also brands and products or whatnot are gonna be using these independent creators for their for their um, advertising campaigns, for their marketing campaigns. Like what's to say if a brand like let's say the old spice wants to come out with a new uh, a digital commercial and push it on social channels, they can tap into uh, creative at home, like, hey, make me a commercial about Old Spice, put it on your channel, and I'm gonna pay you a check. I'm gonna give you a bag because you already have the following, or you already have the creativity that we don't have, or whatever you have the ideas. And you have one of these, you know, creatives come up with a whole commercial at their crib from shoot it on their iPhone and be able to go partner with a brand and produce that and publish it and publish it. So I really think you're going to see a change of like, instead of people coming in and, you know, and freaking auditioning for commercials and and, and doing that, that's still going to be there on some level, but I think the independent creators are going to take a lot more, uh, authority in that world. I think they're going to, mm-hmm. um, be able no, to do a sure. lot more stuff at home. I just sure. think that's just the way it's going. Yeah. Um, so yeah, our next question is, um, um, yeah, what do you want your legacy to be when you're, you know, when your career is, is finished and you know, you, you decided to put down the pen? Where do you want your legacy to be? How do you want people to perceive the work and yourself um after you know you you decided to, you know, to, to let this go?
2: Yeah, so my legacy is gonna be determined by how many people I lift up. Mm. How many people were able to elevate, become empowered, use some information that I created in whatever form, um, you know, to better themselves spiritually, mentally, financially, Mm. physically, whatever that is. I I think that to me, that's how I measure success. How many people Mm -hmm. am I affecting? How many communities am I changing? I remember when I went to, I know everybody's big on, um, black wall street now. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's yep. been going to, cause you know, Regina, um, Regina King, she did that series. What's the, I forget the name oh, of it. Yeah, but yeah. It's, that was right. Powerful. right. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. So a year and a half before that happened, I went to the original black wall street in wow. Greenwood, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Wow. And when I was there, what they told me was that there is a conspiracy of silence to keep the 1921 race massacre under wraps the mm. mayor told me i he was like i did not find out about what happened in my city until i was in my late uh, late 20s and i'm a historian mm. he was like i didn't even know that my great grandfather at the time was actually helping some of the black refugees find refuge it was wow. literally no one was talking about that so i was talking to activists mm. and organizers on the ground and they were telling me like no I'm, they were like Even when the elders who had survived, even when they talk about it, they start to whisper. They be like, they like, you know what I'm saying? Like almost, I want to say like like, like, not slave mentality, but it's like you can't let don't let
3: anybody hear. And I was like,
2: what? Especially coming from New York, where I'm like, you know, you know, power to the people. (laughs) You know, like anything goes wrong, we out there hitting those streets. We ready to buy it and turn something up. And they were like, oh, no, that's not how it is here. So wow. I was talking to them. I spent a few days in Tulsa and I wrote a story. It was called Americans Forgotten Massacre. Um, I forget the rest of the title. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's how it started off. <laughs> and um, it, it was mind blowing. Wow. And, you know, so people didn't even. Know. I have black history buffs told me, Selena, some of the stuff you put in that story, I didn't even know about. And I That's was like, crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's stuff like that that makes my work meaningful. Do not get me wrong. I love red carpets. I love That's the real. fact that, you know, I've interviewed T.I., Spike Lee, Wendy Williams. You know, I've done, you know, all of this. It's, it's, I love it. But I've also been a person. I love going to a Black Lives Matter rally. Mm. And I love giving people what not what they need, what we need as a community to really uplift and empower.
1: hundred percent. I love that. I love that. Is there an interview that...
3: Hmm.
1: wonder if he... Uh... I lost you for a second there. My bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I lost you for a second. My bad. Is there, is there is there an interview that sticks out in your mind that um was uh just, you know... Phenomenal, or something that you just you know that really made an impression on you, or somebody that made an impression out of all the amazing people you spoke
2: to. Yeah, no, I mean it's hard to top <laughs> Jay Z, especially not knowing what I was going into. Um, that was big. I think speaking to Wendy was really big because before she, like, obviously she was headlining because of we found out that she has been, um, you know, she was addicted to some substances and was fighting substance of um, addiction. Um, but before, like, before she was really making those media rounds, like, she spoke to Black Enterprise first, and she came on our stage and shared that story, and then afterward, called her backstage, talked to her for 12 minutes, and, like, Mm. she was, like, in, like, an interview time, that's a lot of time, so she was, like, keep it going, matter of fact, come to my show, came to the show, and she she gave me airtime. like, she shouted me out and everything, so, like, that was a dope moment as well, I mean, all of them, like, they're, they're, I mean, all of them, I think... Maybe the, one of the most impactful interviews I did was when um, Russell Simmons I called into my podcast years ago. And wow. the interview went so bad that I was crying afterward.
3: Really? <laughs> it was...
0: Really? Russell is a very uh, loquacious brother. You know what I'm saying?
2: Oh, it wasn't because of him, it was because <laughs> of me. Like, really? I had, yes, this was early on. This was like 2013. Uh-huh. And he called into the show and he literally took over. And oh, as an too. interviewer, you know, to lose that control. Yeah, you never And he lose just, he, he, oh my God, it was, and like people were like, yo, this is so good we heard from Russell, but I remember I felt so bad because I was just like, how did I lose control in the interview? Mm-hmm. And he made it all about, I mean, I don't want to say he made it all about himself, to admit that in a negative way, but he took advantage of the platform yeah.
3: Yeah, without
2: yeah, yeah. pushback, without, you know, direction and, and, and to me. And I remember that really taught me to hone in on interview skills, take the obviously I always take the craft seriously, but there's an art to it. Mm-hmm. There's an art to interviewing. There's an art to getting people to open up. There's an art to getting people to be vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, we learn our biggest mis- our biggest lessons from our mistakes and from things that we struggle in. So I would say that that interview was probably one of the most impactful things in my <laughs> in my at least in my early career.
1: Wow, yeah, yeah. It's well, always that moment that uh, you know, um teaches you that you need to like step it up or whatnot. Every entrepreneur, every creative, everybody goes through that. Thank you for sharing that.
0: For sure. Um so if we do have any uh aspiring journalists listening, what are some of those um tools in terms of um, you know, uh not relinquishing control of your interview of your where where um let me actually properly. What are some tools or tricks of the trade, so to speak, uh, you could share with us um, to allow somebody to, you know, always have control of their interview um, to be able to uh, accomplish what they'd like to?
2: Um, I say do your research. Definitely be prepared because you can't ask the tough questions unless you know. Like, my favorite interviewers are literally Charlemagne and Mindy Williams, because mm-hmm. they are never scared to talk about what's controversial and to address that elephant in the room or whatever it is. And to me, kind of, that's what makes their content so compelling. I know you can have one artist, they can go 50, they make their media rounds, go to 50 outlets, but I know when they stop at the Breakfast Club, it's going to get real. And yeah. I appreciate that. And I know Charlemagne sometimes gets a bad rap for being, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. So Like, I don't, I don't, I've heard some negative stuff. I don't yeah. see it like that. I see it as he's unfiltered and he gives us the real. So I think that, yeah, that's like number two, study. You have to study the greats to be great. Right. Um, mm. Another thing, um, I would say, you know, it's give yourself time. It's not easy. You know, especially when you're interviewing people that you look up to or, you know, that that you've always idolized to interview them. You may feel some some level of intimidation. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, just keep it. You just have to understand that you'll get better in time and understand people are people. And people want to tell, you know, people want to tell their stories. Um, And they, you know, they probably for the most part, want to speak to you just as much as you want to speak to them. So just keep it in perspective.
0: For sure. I want to get ready to uh, wind down a little bit, but I want to switch gears real quick. So as a journalist, you know, you, you have to source motivation or inspiration from certain places. Do you have a journalist playlist? And if you care to share, what are like five songs that, you know, get you in that mood, get your pen hot?
2: You mean when I want to write a story?
0: Yeah. yeah. Or when well, just, I wanna
2: just work. When I just yeah, want to just work. When you
0: want to work like a like a journalist playlist.
2: <laughs> when I go into journalist mode. <laughs>
3: yeah. Right.
2: Like if I'm like, hey, I gotta go. Nothing. I do not listen to I do not listen to music. Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm somebody oh, who's like, I have to stay focused. If anything, I put on white noise and meditation mm. and like different wavelengths that will increase your brain power and an ability mm. to focus and concentrate. I put that on, mm, I need <laughs> and then afterward, yeah, no, I'll just, I'll send it to you for sure. The the bimoral,
0: um, uh, Yes. Tones? Nice. you know
2: what I'm talking about yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. I play that. Um, I don't know. You know what? I didn't know. My friend pointed this out to me. She was like, "Selena, so like, what do you watch on like your free time?" And I was just like, "Oh, The Breakfast Club, State of the Union." Trevor uh, Noah, CBS, CNN, and wow, MSNBC. We really this life. <laughs> nah, but so my, so my homegirl was like, hold on, so that's what you do in your free time? And I was like, yeah. And she was just like, so you don't turn off? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it's just yeah. not the content I like to assume, consume. She was right. like, no, you're always working on yourself. You're always working on your craft. Like, you can't even take away that part of you. Like, you can't even turn that off. And I was just like, I didn't even realize that.
3: Wow. I didn't even
2: realize that's all I consume. <laughs> I that
3: means binge watched. It, you know what I, mean? I, mean, I binge saw, saw watched.
2: Love. Oh yeah. Like the view, the real, us, us everything. Like, and I didn't uh-huh. but I didn't even know I was doing that. It just was it came natural.
0: Mm. So Boy, top, top five, well not top five, top three interviews that you've seen in the last year.
2: Oh, that I see, I wish I I wish I could have been prepared for that. Um <laughs> I'm um, a Breakfast
1: I, Club fanatic, too, so... I um, know.
2: I Help, help me think. What's so, some things um, that were, like, phenomenal? I love um, the Breakfast oh, Club
1: and Tracy Morgan interview. That one was amazing. But anyway, guys.
2: So. Hold on. I'm sorry, because I don't even know if I caught that one. Cardi B and um Bernie Sanders.
1: That was oh, crazy. I never seen that.
2: Yeah, like, just that dynamic... Oh my God. That's two different cultures, two different languages, two different dialects coming together Mm. for one cause to Mm. push issues and to uplift the working class. Like stuff like that, that to me is, you know, absolutely amazing. Um, you know, I love stuff like that. Um, okay. What's I'm trying to think of two more. Okay. Yes. Keep, keep helping me think. Um, (laughs) Oh, oh my God! Who was really good? Oh my God! I'm gonna have to go through my phone.
1: So good.
2: No, because I'm gonna be. Because you know what's gonna happen. You gonna when be this sleeping? Is over, and be
1: like, ah!
2: How did I not forget? <laughs> and because this thing is, if there's a really, really good interview, mm-hmm. sometimes if I happen to have a connection to whoever's in that interview, I'll text them and be like, Yo, that was powerful. So. Yeah. I would need to check my text. and <laughs> see it's good. who did I like. Oh, okay, I got I got number two. Do you remember that guy who? Um, okay, this was on CNN. This was this this was this guy. He was an older black man, and he did something so crazy. I remember he didn't like he was missing a couple of teeth. Like he looked crazy, and the interview was so powerful on CNN. Anderson Cooper mm-hmm. did it. What did he? T- oh, oh, yeah, oh my god, Cooper. this is gonna kill me. This is gonna yeah, okay, to okay. I can't remember that one, but that one, mm-hmm. it was that one, and I do not remember anything else about it. But I just remember the picture of it. And then the third one that I would say off the cuff is you guys remember Antoine Dotson? He's the one who said, How kids, how my wife, how'd you kids, how'd you wife? Yo, I do, yeah, that was the interview, that was that, that
3: like the first. Like that was one of the first like
1: viral moments that was like crazy uh, I yeah, remember yeah and
2: it, it was but they let him be his authentic self
1: yeah like yeah, they was, let yo, him he, he like came <laughs> out at the BET awards and shit like, well, Yeah, he had a, he changed his life he like
2: fuck <laughs> <up out now. laughs> yeah that was his come up
1: from yeah. being yourself boy i tell you man i like yeah. but as
2: I, as a disclaimer mm-hmm. i literally i had to come up with that off the cuff i'm telling you guys <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we i so am hard going hard to remember <laughs> some yeah. of the most impactful interviews we'll, 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 after we'll do this a part
3: two we'll do a part
0: two down the okay. line could, For sure. you know what
3: I
2: mean? okay i think
0: one one that stood out to me um semi-recently if you could call it was um byron allen breakfast club
3: oh yeah that was good
0: dude that bought the weather channel i thought that was profound just because you know there's so much history and and um you know like gravity in that interview kind of walk away feeling like you didn't waste
1: (laughs) a couple no absolutely you know that was a that was an amazing that's a good one franzi too oh oh, yeah maverick carter and um magic johnson oh yes that was a heavy one that was a heavy one. That one was really really good. Um, Tracy Morgan and The Breakfast Club. That one was just a funny. Yeah. I, I love Tracy Morgan, man. Like, and then um, no, Mike Tyson. year old to me, he talked like a child. That's what makes him <laughs> funny to me. Like, but now he just, he he's, just, a, just I he's like the iPod. Yeah, he's I
3: like. I, I like.
1: You know, what? I like New York OGs, man. That's why I love Mike Tyson interviews. Like, if you watch Mike Tyson at L, mm. they all like ran in the same circles. Like people from like. Like all the old gangsters and like the artists, and like they all knew each other in some shape, form, or fashion. Mm. like You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, shit, Um, Tracy Morgan is a real Brooklyn dude. You know what I mean? Like, I love the real Queens dude. Like, the, yes, the old fame and the Hollywood, and the. I like hearing those stories, even um, though. Yes, his name? yes, um, yes. The white guy that a lot of people don't like, what's his Michael name? Yeah, he actually was a ball player. Like, he was actually like around some real like G's back in the day. He was a ball player, which is like, I don't know. New York just got a certain um energy, man. I love like hearing like old New York. That's why Nori's, I think, podcast. I think people love that. I love that.
2: Mm, oh yeah, yeah. No, for sure, for you know sure.
3: Know
0: well, we like to ask all our guests this before we, uh, you know, release them back into their societal
3: ways.
0: (laughs) what drives you? What gives you your gusto to continue to tell these profound stories um, and to touch lives of millions of individuals?
2: Mm, The need. Somebody has to tell the gut-wrenching stories Mm. about what is happening because if the stories are not told, then we can't galvanize around issues and actually affect the changes that we need in our communities. Hmm. So the need—the fact that we need this, right? We mm-hmm. need, you know, state of the culture, like we need all of these cultural icons and Charlemagne and people who are socially conscious and know how to interweave that into, um, you know, the content that they create. Yeah. So number one is definitely the need. I would say number two is definitely God just, you know, I, I you know it's, Boy, it's the first if time you had...
0: God came second <laughs> like,
2: oh I'm but... sorry
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying black people usually thank God first you know like, that's like, okay <laughs> <laughs> I I'm
3: not
2: putting it put in the order like right. I don't look at it like that I don't right, look at I'll it like it that you. um <laughs> no <laughs> that's so funny, that's so funny that you said that that's, that's hilarious. I mean. no, but for sure, like definitely um my faith mm-hmm. because if God believes in me this much, then Washington not I believe in me mm-hmm. and if God bless me with these gifts and talents, I have to use them to his glory like i i ha- I have to so that's okay. a strong motivating factor um as well, of
1: course. Well, Selena, thank you so much for coming on the Driven Society Podcast and we appreciate you. I feel like I only I know I'm gonna see you on the show on uh, something on the big screen. Like I, I just know it's coming very soon. So we're just happy to, you know, um um get, get this time from you and um you know we advocate and, and champion your journey and we appreciate the work you do in the community for sure. For sure.
2: Thank you. Like, I love how you guys are keeping the culture, pushing it forward. Um, You know, everything. I mean, your platform is super dope. You know, you guys capture great content and create great content. Um, You know, everything. Even in quarantine, you guys are still keeping, like, really dope culture, pushing it out there. So I appreciate you guys as well. Thank
1: you. Thank you. All right, man. All right. Stay Stay driven, y'all. Stay driven,